Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you this morning. Um, let, let me just mention one other thing very quickly because I've got one minute to do it. The Bible Day is the first Saturday of November and is going to be great. So Rick, who is sat here, founding pastor of this church, is going to be teaching that day through the book of Jonah. Really timely message for our world and our culture. So bookings are open online. There's an early bird that goes up to the end of October. But please don't miss that because it is going to be a wonderful day. I think cunningly it's riversidevineyard.com slash Bible. You'll be able to find them. Have you ever been involved in a project, either at home or at work, that didn't go to plan? Anyone? Anyone? I suspect we all have, haven't we? You know, where an unexpected challenge arose that has cost you either time or money. I can remember um, we were having some building work done at home about 10 years ago, and they were about to connect up like this new plumbing into the old plumbing and then found that work that had been done like 10 years prior to that hadn't been done right. And there was a leak that had gone under some flooring um, in, a, in, a, in a shower, um, and so they had to like take the shower out, take the flooring out. Unfortunately, it didn't cost us too much, but it certainly cost us time. And you're sat there thinking, man, this is painful, isn't it? It's painful, isn't it? Change always involves challenge. You found that? Change always involves challenge. If our family circumstances change, or we suffer loss, or we change job, or we become part of a new church family, there will be challenges. And if we want to reset how we're living in some areas of our lives, we will encounter some challenges. So what I want us to think about this morning is, how do we overcome challenges in life? How do we overcome challenges in life? This is part of our reset series. We've been thinking about how we can reset different areas of our lives that have been disturbed in lots of different ways. And we've been looking at the wisdom of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. So if you want to be turning to Nehemiah, uh, please do that. The context is this. Nehemiah was in exile. That meant he'd, he was living away from his home. Um, he was about a thousand miles from home. And in chapter one of this story, he's heard some really bad news. Uh, the city of his ancestors has been broken down. And this vision to reset is being birthed in his heart. And he ends up going to Jerusalem. We saw that he'd surveyed all of the damage. And we're going to pick up the story today in chapter 4. Don't worry, we're going back to chapter 3 next week. Rob is going to take us through chapter 3. But we're going to skip to chapter 4 today. And I'm going to read from verse 1. If you've got a Bible, do follow along. If not, the words will come up. There we go. Wonderful. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, buried as they are, burned as they are, sorry? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So 
we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your people, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. It's a story of challenge, isn't it? There's these couple of guys, Sam Ballot and Tobiah, and we got a sniff of them back in chapter 2. And now the challenge that they bring is heating up in this uh, account that we've read today. So Nehemiah has these enemies. Sambalat and Tobiah are named. But behind them is Satan, the enemy of us all. And the primary weapon being deployed today in the story that we read today is discouragement. And that's what I want us to think about today. Whenever we decide to reset an area of life, maybe that's rebuilding a marriage, maybe it's starting to take control of our finances, uh, maybe uh, a decision to get healthier, to make some changes in kind of like our physical lives, maybe to get back on track in a relationship with Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe that's kind of got out of kind of step and you're saying, I want to reset that area of my life. Whatever we're in life we're wanting to reset, we will encounter some level of discouragement. See, there is an enemy, there is real personal evil in this world that is set against God, that is set against creation, and is set against you and me. And we will encounter discouragement. So what I want to share is four kind of things that feed discouragement in our lives and then talk about how we overcome discouragement. Okay, four things that feed discouragement. The first we find it in verse 10. What we read is, they report to Nehemiah, the strength of the laborers is giving out. In other words, they're tired. They're simply tired. The first thing that will feed discouragement in our lives is fatigue. Just being tired. Maybe over the last 18 months, we've become tired of isolation. We've been tired of working out, you know, when do I wear one of these things? When can I take it? You can take it off now if you want to. Okay? We're tired of those kind of things. Maybe we're tired of wondering if we're going to get sick. Anyone tired of Zoom? I am so Zoomed out. 
I'm just done. I'm tired of it. Tired of it. Tired, just longing to get through this season, but knowing that we're not there yet. It's tiring, isn't it? Now, we read back in verse 6 of this chapter that they had got halfway. So they've done well. They've done really well. But you know, halfway can be a place of discouragement. Maybe you're halfway through a period of study, and that's kind of like, I'm halfway. You know, getting halfway through life, it's called a midlife crisis. I'm not putting my hand up to it, but I'm just saying, halfway can be a difficult place in life. When we are tired, fatigued, we're vulnerable to discouragement. Second thing, that we, a time that we should expect discouragement is when we are frustrated. When we're frustrated. When do you get frustrated? I tell you why, when I get frustrated. I get frustrated when things take longer than they should. Really frustrates me. I, I get frustrated in queues, whether that be in traffic or people. I, now, I know I shouldn't because I'm English, and English people are really good at queuing. But I get frustrated. I get frustrated when something that should be simple turns out to be more complicated than it should have been, or I just didn't know. I get frustrated by that. We see it in verse 10. They report there is so much rubble. Can you, can you feel their frustration? They were having to recycle building materials. They were having to clear it. There is so much rubble. They're frustrated. You know, the reality is in all of our lives, there will be rubble. Rubble in our lives is anything that can trip us up and keep us from fulfilling God's purposes in our lives. And so for each of us, that, that will look different things. There might be emotional or relational rubble from the past, maybe friendships, um, even a, you know, a marriage that is disintegrated in some. There can be rubble from that kind of area in our past. There can be psychological rubble from pain or hurts or disappointments that we have experienced. There can be the rubble of bad habits, of addictive behaviors in our lives. And sometimes we can only see the rubble. Have you ever found that? Sometimes the rubble can be so overwhelming that we only see the rubble and we lose sight of what the Lord is building. We lose sight of the walls and we, oh, there is so much rubble. So I wonder what the rubble is that's in your life and my life that the Lord wants to help us clear up today. And that would be a really good prayer to pray right now, just to say, Holy Spirit, what is the rubble that you're wanting to remove in my life today? Well, do, that, do that for yourself. What is the rubble that you're wanting to remove from my life today? And the reality is often we need help clearing rubble in our lives. That is why being part of a small group is so important. Being part of a tri-group. Maybe going from counseling when we need that kind of assistance in our life. Or life coaching. Our Sozo prayer ministry teams. Lots of different ways that we can be helped in clearing rubble in our lives. But the bottom line is that rubble needs cleaning up. It needs clearing away if we're going to reset. Third thing. The third time we should expect discouragement is when we think we might fail. It's when we think we might fail in life. Again, back to verse 10. 
what they say to Nehemiah is, we cannot rebuild the wall. We can't do it. We just can't do it. Now remember that they had already rebuilt half of it. But they come and say, we can't do it. So you have to think, well, what's going on? Because you've done so well, what, what's going on? That you're saying now, we can't do it. What's making them think that they can't continue this journey of resetting? What's going on? What I think they were doing was listening to voices of failure. Listening to voices of failure. They were doubting their ability to carry on doing what they'd been doing. And so they come to the conclusion, can't do it. Just can't do it. When we start to doubt ourselves, the chances are we're listening to voices of failure. Things like, why did I start this degree? Why did I start this extra study? Why did I start this apprenticeship? Why did I move house? I thought I'd heard the Lord. But what, what, why did I move house? Well, with those neighbors. Why, why, why did I do that? Why did I give my number to that attractive person who's not my partner at work? Why did I do that? Why did I answer that message from them? Why did I get married? Now, keep looking at me. Don't look at the person next to you. Really important right now. Why did I get married? Why? Where do these voices come from? Where do they come from? Well, in this story, their enemies, Sambalat and Tobiah, had got into their heads. If Sambalat and Tobiah were on social media, we would call it trolling. That's what they were doing. Let me read verses 2 and 3 again, because this goes on on Twitter and Facebook every day. Okay? What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. Can you see that way that their voices have got into their head? Those voices of failure that said, you can't do this. You can't do it. And they believed it. They were starting to believe it. We can't do it. Those voices of failure lead to discouragement. And the fourth time we should expect discouragement is when we are fearful. When we're fearful. In the story, this trolling doesn't kind of ultimately work. And so what the enemies do is they turn to military intimidation. There are four enemies detailed in this passage. There is Sambalat, and he was based to the north of Jerusalem. There's Tobiah, he was based to the east. It refers to the Arab people, they were based in the south. And there are the people of Ashdod who were to the west of Jerusalem. Do you get the picture? They were surrounded. They were surrounded. Everywhere they turned. Have you ever had an experience in life where it feels like everywhere you turn, there's a battle? Every, so like, work is painful, home is painful, family is painful, finances are painful. There can be times where it feels like we're utterly surrounded. And there's discouragement at every turn. So four things that fuel discouragement in our lives. And they all begin with F. I don't normally alliterate, but fatigue, 
frustration, we think we might fail, and fear. And do you see how this last 18 months through a pandemic has fueled a whole bunch of that? Fatigued? Tired? Frustrated? Fearful? You see how it can fuel discouragement in our lives. And so as we reset in areas of life, we're going to face challenges. That is inevitable. We will face discouragements. But I've got good news for us today, friends. It is possible to overcome challenge. And it is possible to overcome discouragement. And that's what I want to share with us now. How do we do that? How can we overcome discouragement in our lives? I'm going to share three things that I believe are going to help us. Okay? The first is request God's help. Request God's help. Verse 9. But we prayed to our God. We prayed to our God. When, I don't know about you, but when I face those kind of challenges head on, you know, something is not going well, you can feel the discouragement starting to grow, that frustration, maybe the tiredness of a situation that's not shifting. I don't know about you, but at those moments, I don't feel at my strongest. I feel weak, actually, because there are some things which I know I face in life that I'm powerless to do anything about. And we can feel very weak in those moments. One of the things that prayer does is it strengthens the spine of our resistance to discouragement. I'm going to share that again. One of the things that prayer does is it strengthens the spine of our resistance to discouragement. We request God's help. You see, what Nehemiah could have done when Sambalad and Tobiah start trolling him on you know, Twitter, he could have got straight back on it, but he doesn't. You notice that he prays. He prays in verse 4. I'm going to read his prayer because it, kind of, it just kind of jumps into the text, doesn't it? But, but, but here again, this prayer that he prays, he says, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. This, this is full-on prayer, isn't it? Turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. This is, this is brutal honesty, isn't it? Do you, do you hear that in what Nehemiah is praying here? He gets to this moment and he says, Oh God, oh God, oh God, I need help. And his honesty is brutal in this moment. Brutal honesty. You know, the Lord is big enough for your brutal honesty and mine. Did you know that? Yes, Andy, I knew that. Well, no, I didn't. The Lord is big enough. The Lord is big enough. And so we can be really honest in our requests to God. But you notice what he did. Nehemiah prayed and he posted a guard. He did those two things. He prayed, he asked for God's help, and he posted a guard. So the second thing that will help us to overcome discouragement is to reset our plans. To reset our plans. When we face challenges, we very often need to reset our path. Some of you have come across a guy called Dr. Charles Montgomery. He's on the pastoral staff at Vineyard Columbus out in Ohio. And he shared this recently. 
He said the effectiveness of our prayers isn't measured in what we say, but what we do after we've prayed. And I'm going to say that again because I love that. The effectiveness of our prayers isn't measured in what we say, but what we do after we've prayed. And I love what Nehemiah did after he prayed. He prayed and he posted a guard. He reset his plans. So what does that look like for you and me? Well, maybe you're praying for a school for your kids. Fill out the application form. Maybe you're praying to start a new business. That's wonderful. Maybe the next thing is write a business plan. Maybe you're praying to get out of debt. Next step would be to hook up with one of our money coaches in the church. Maybe you're praying because you're feeling lonely and isolated. Well, next step may well be to regather on Sundays, join a team, be part of a small group, connect with other people. Do you see the way we pray and post? We request God's help and we reset our plans. Really important, don't confuse plans with vision. Okay? Don't confuse plans with the things that the Lord is inviting you into. A plan is simply a best guess at getting from where we are now to where we, want, where we believe Jesus wants us to be. It's simply a best guess. And sometimes when we face challenges, all that simply means is that we need to reset our plans. That God has still spoken. He has said things to us and we had a best guess Something has happened and we simply need to reset our plans. That will really help us to counter discouragement. Whatever you do, don't give up. Don't give up. If Jesus has spoken to you about an area of life that he wants to reset, don't give up. You might need to reset the path that you're walking to get there, but don't give up. So we request God's help. We reset our plans. Third thing, remember the Lord. Love that. It says that in verse 14. Remember the Lord. I passionately believe that the cure for our challenges and discouragements starts and ends with Jesus. The cure, the way through, starts and ends with Jesus. The reality is our feelings of discouragement are linked to our thoughts. And so one of the things that we will need to do to overcome discouragement and challenge is to remember the Lord, to choose to focus our thoughts on him. And there is a really important difference between facts and truth. There's an important difference between facts and truth. Let me unpack it this way. The fact is you may be having a hard time and feeling overwhelmed. The truth is that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. That's true. The fact is you may feel under attack, hard-pressed on every side, like the enemy has got a target on your back. The truth is no weapon forged against you will prosper. The fact is you may be tired, weary, and ready to throw in the towel. The truth is that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will walk and not grow weary, run and not grow faint. 
Amen? The fact is, you may have cried yourself to sleep last night. The truth is that weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Amen? The fact is that our lives aren't reset yet. The truth is that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. There is a difference between facts and truth. So we need to remember the Lord. The fact is, when we reset, we will face challenge. We will face some discouragement. The truth is, we can overcome challenges. We can face off discouragement when we request God's help, when we reset our plans, and when we remember the Lord. Amen?